We've got time here on The Breakfast Show, which means that we are going to have a quiz, then we're going to hear your text messages, hear what you had to say, and then we are going to jump into our Bible study from the book of Genesis. We're talking about creation, and we have an apologist in the studio. This is pretty awesome. This is going to be fun. This was planned. No, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At the beginning of the year when I put the schedule together. All right, Lawson, go for it with the 400-point uh, question. This one's going to start to get a little bit harder. All right, for 400 points, what plant was the basket weaved out of that three-month-old Moses was placed into in an effort to save his life? 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. If you do know the answer, you can win a book from our selection of bargain books. But again, for 400 points, that question was, what plant was the basket weaved out of that three-month-old Moses was placed into in an effort to save his life. 0491-064-669. Call or text that number with the correct answer and you can win a prize or just get your points on the board, work your way through the quiz. Okay, so the text message has been a little bit quiet this morning. Guys, wake up, jump in there and have your say. We've got a few here. Uh, the first one says, Astronomers believe that the universe is 12.5 billion years old. I'm sure, uh, I am sure what they mean is that's all they found. If you think about it, what's 12.5 billion years in infinity? It would be less than a second in our time. Our creator God has always been there from infinity. Did he only create for 12.5 billion years? Interesting question here. Um, I don't really have uh, the... the, 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 Well, I guess the thought that was going through my mind is if you find a star that is 12.5 billion years away and you can see it through a telescope, then... uh, you know, that light supposedly has been travelling for all of that time. What if you find one that is 40 billion years away? Does that mean that the universe is just has to go back older and older and older in time? Well, Lyle, this is a very, very interesting point because our observable universe is actually 93 billion light years across. Right. Um, but that's only the observable universe. Uh, we There's the realms of the universe beyond that. Now, scientists will say that the universe itself is 13.8 billion um, years old um, so you have to ask yourself how can we see 93 billion light years but the the universe is only 13.8 yeah the, the, um, the mathematics doesn't add the up mathematics doesn't add up and it's called a horizon problem which is very interesting because most people don't know that they'll often point to um, creationists who say that the universe or, or you know the, the creation is only 6,000 years old and we've got a starlight travel time problem. Yes. But they don't know that the Big Bang Theory has exactly the same problem. Uh, just bigger. It's, it's, just, it's just bigger. So, so the, and there's a whole lot of solutions in terms of inflationary models and variable sp- uh, speed of light uh, theories, which they try and use to solve the horizon problem. But what they don't understand is those very solutions can also work in the creation models as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly. right. Yeah. You can't have your cake and eat it too. That's right. So, so, but the other thing too, Lyle, is this, is that first of all, um, if if the Big Bang theory is wrong, and, and it can be for a number of reasons, we could go through that together. That's a whole other interview. But the fact is, is this, is that, um, you know, in terms of 
uh, when we say that the universe, or the scientists say that the universe is 13.8 billion uh, years old, all they're doing is that they're looking at space and they're saying, well, the Big Bang Theory claims that it's expanding. Um, and, and we could disagree with that as well, um, because I don't believe in the Big Bang Theory personally. But, but even if we do, what that means is uh, 13.8 billion uh, years, the thing is that God has existed from eternity. There's always an eternity behind whatever finite amount of time that this That's universe. Right. So, so the argument that what has God been doing, you know, uh, for all of those billions of years applies in any kind of model. It, the fact is this, is that for eternity, God has existed as a triune um, being um, in love between Father, Son, and Spirit, Father, Word, and Spirit. And, and that's a, a reality. It's a spiritual, it's a metaphysical reality, which is true for God. And we just, there's times where you have to say, that is amazing. Um, and the things that we try and bring up to say, well, that's a problem, is not a problem for God. Yes, we totally planned having Dr. Van Erstering here this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and we planned for this text message to come through. Um, that was amazing. Thank you for that just mm. off-the-cuff answer to a question that I was unqualified to answer, but you have certainly <laughs> answered, answered it absolutely uh, clearly. All right, let's continue on here. Next text message is the freezer full of aborted baby, feet, baby uh, parts for sale. It's the one. It's one of the biggest profit-making businesses worldwide. There are no ethics here. It's murdered by these doctors. At roughly 121 million unintended pregnancies occurred each year between 2015 and 2019 worldwide. Of these pregnancies, 61% ended in abortion. This tra- translates to 73 million abortions a year, um, and that's from the Gutenmacher. Those stats are from the uh, Gutenmacher Institute, um, and so they're giving the the reference there. That. It's just a, it's just a massive, and, and you know, when they talk about unintended pregnancies, we actually know how biology works, and we know how to stop pregnancies today. Mm-hmm. I don't really like the term unintended pregnancies mm-hmm. um, because there are ways and means of stopping those pregnancies, mm-hmm. and if you don't have the ways and means of stopping it, there's a very simple means of stopping it. It's called abstinence. <laughs> yep. Responsibility, mm-hmm. personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard an interesting comment made that there's a doctor in the States um, and he has claimed that that he has stuffed the life out of 250 million babies with his very own hands. So I'm going like, that is very, very sobering. That's the world's greatest serial killer right there. <laughs> it's just terrifying. Yikes. <sighs> It makes me shudder even to think about it. And once again, I just want to remind our listeners that we know that we all have a past. We all have brokenness in our past. And we we have tremendous sympathy here for whatever it is that you've gone through in the past. And if this this these really heavy stories, uh, you know, if they're triggering things for you, if they're giving you bad thoughts, whatever it might be, lifeline number is 131114. Uh, last text message says, Is God the father and abuser of the son? The problem is not with God, but with sin and the mm. evilness of a mind that is turned away from the love of God. The statements made by these men against God are from the mind of Satan. Someone should give them a Bible study. 
I, I, I don't know that that would actually be effective because there's an old saying, and it's very, very true, that a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion mm-hmm. still. And, you know, just listening to some of the stories that, yeah. you know, we've been sharing here mm-hmm. uh, about um, some of Lawson's Bible studies and Dr. Zven's Bible studies, and I know certainly know from my own experience, there are many times when you reach a point where a person is absolutely convinced, but it's against their will. Mm-hmm. Th- that's right. Mm. I think, the you know, if you go to the person of Pharaoh in the Bible, I, I, I reckon that no amount of studying the Torah with him, when the Torah, of course, didn't, didn't yeah. exist uh, that, that time, but, but he wouldn't have changed his mind, but it's because of the state of his heart. Yes. Mm-hmm. His heart was hardened. Yes. And, and we can do our best, and, and certainly Lawson and I, we really have done our best, and we've really... Uh, and the Holy Spirit's done the Holy Spirit's best as well. And the other thing too is don't don't forget that um, you know a young man like the person we've been studying with um, still has another chance in the future. Oh, yes, mm. absolutely. So it's not just about yeah. us. We never give up. We never give mm-hmm. up. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So those are our text messages. Interesting. I uh, just wanted to make a comment before we move on. Uh, this was something that we were talking about as well um, in relationship to this whole concept of God being a cosmic child abuser. Uh, you know, we just it was mentioned on the news about the funeral of Shane Warne, and a great Australian cricket player right there who will be fondly remembered by many fans for a very, very long time, and just tragic that he died so soon. And the fact that they played the song at his funeral, I did it my way. And I hear this song played at many funerals. Um, you know, Dr. Sven, you and I, we do a lot of funerals. Many of those funerals are not for Christian people. And this seems to be a bit of a funeral favourite. And to me, it is the most heart-wrenching, tragic song that could ever be played at a funeral. And when I hear it, it just breaks my heart every time because could there be anything worse than doing it my way? Lalan, the reality is that I believe that Jesus died. He had to die because we did it our way. Exactly. Exactly. I did it my way. That's what cost the life of the Son of God. Mm. And he died so that we don't have to do it our way, mm. so that we can do it his way. You know, somebody somebody needs to take that song and rewrite the words to it somehow or other. Some, some you know, good songwriting person, here's a task for you, uh, to rewrite the words to this song to, I did it Jesus' way. Mm. And here's the way. And the truth and the life. Absolutely. He most certainly is. And we can always place our trust fully and completely in Jesus Christ. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, Bible study time. Let's get into it. We've got a bunch of verses to look at here, all coming from Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. Uh, Dr. Sven, you got a Bible handy there? I certainly do. Say... Uh, so let's start in my way. Genesis 1 verse 4. And uh, let me just... And go. what we're going to do is we're going to rattle through these verses. What I want you to do as you're listening in is find out what is the common theme, the common denominator, the common word, the common idea that is, is expressed in each one of these verses. So let's start in Genesis 1 and verse 4. And, the, and God saw the light and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Okay, verse 10, please, Lawson. In verse 10, the Bible says, as I find it here on the page, God called the dry ground land and the water seas, and God saw that it was good. And verse 12, please, 
Dr. Zven. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 18, please, Lawson. To govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. Verse 21, please, uh, Dr. Zven. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And verse 31, please, Lawson. Oh, verse 31. This is verse 25 as well. But verse 31, it do we, says... Do we, do we skip 25? Yeah, verse 25. Read verse 25. It says, God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, which were able to produce offspring of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And verse 31, please, Dr. Zven. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Okay, all right, all right. We got the sixth day, yep. Yep. Um, Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, please, Lawson. So the creations of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished the work of creation, so he rested from all his worth. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day he rested from his creation, from his work of creation. Okay, so what's the common theme that has run through every single one of these verses here? That's... In- that's a good question. Oh, well, it sounds really bad. No, obviously I'm joking. It's, it's that it's really good. It's really yeah. good. That's a good question. That's a good answer to it. It's a good question. Because there's a good answer to the question. Yes. And it's good. And it's it good. is good. So God repeats this theme. Now, what's interesting is that every single time God creates something, he finishes by saying, it's good. Mm-hmm. Until you come down to the Sabbath where he rests, and the reason that he rests is because it's good. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very, very good. And what I want to dig into is what is God actually communicating here when he says, I created this and it was good. I created this and it was good. I created this and it was good. And how does that contrast to the alternative um, theory of origins that we have with evolution? Mm -hmm. And so we're going to look at uh, the Hebrew word here is the word tov. Mm -hmm. And so when God says it was good, he says it was tov. Mm -hmm. Now, when we look at Tov, there are a number of different ideas that come out of this word, and we're going we're gonna to look into this one. Um, but the first, the first idea, and the, probably the most obvious idea from the word Tov that we received, is that when God says something it's good, he means that he has stood back, he's looked at it, and it works. Mm-hmm. So something that is Tov is something that works. Mm-hmm. So, Lawson, if you build an engine for your motorbike, yes. you put it in your motorbike, uh-huh. you kick the Kickstarter. No, you don't do that It's anymore. electric start. It's electric start. Like, I'm, I'm obsolete about, technology. I'm, I'm talking about my childhood now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but you hit the starter button and it bursts into life. Uh-huh. It is now tov. It's, it's good. Because the whole system is working. Uh-huh. If, if it didn't do that, I would be in, extremely upset. The fuel is throwing in, <laughs> is flowing in. The uh, the if you've got fuel injection or carby, uh, it's carby. Okay, so carby, carby. So the fuel is fl- throwing in, flowing mm-hmm. into the carby. Mm-hmm. In the carby, it's creating a perfect mixture with air, mm-hmm. which is then passing down through the valves uh-huh. into the into the cylinder head. Mm-hmm. Um, as that cylinder comes up, it compresses it, and a spark goes off at just the right time. And under the compression that is formed, that fuel then explodes, drives the piston back down, which turns the crankshaft, and it does that every time you hear it running. 
It goes boom, 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 boom. It does that. And away it goes. How, how many times a minute? Like uh, maybe uh, at idle, maybe like 2,000 times a minute. And then at full revs, like 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 times a minute. Yeah, this is a motorbike. Something, something not like my, that. Not my old diesel. <laughs> you know, you know, okay. I'm, I'm listening whole... to you thinking, you know, you petrol heads, you know, your hands all greasy. <laughs> you know, your hands in the engine. I'm thinking to myself, you know, information theory, information systems, mm-hmm. DNA. I'm thinking like, let, let's dive into the cells, you know. So you want to, you want to get into what well, you, you I wanted you, to get into biology. Biology. Yeah. Oh, well, well there's biology in the motorbike because there's a computer that's running all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> How is that biology? It's not biology. <laughs> that's information systems. Yeah. Information it's, systems yeah, though. Exactly. So yeah. Mm. An information or computing system. But it's it's actually it's interesting that you bring up biology and uh, we've had uh, Dr. John Ashton on the show a few times yeah. to explain to us cells and, and biology and whatnot. And and what we see with a motorcycle is, you know, all of these uh, offset, perfectly in-time processes taking place, you know, uh, at the right time, like, and this is within like fractions of a second. When we're talking about, especially at a, my motorbike, when it's at full revs going like 10,000 like revs per minute, yes. this process where it sprays fuel in and the piston comes up and the valves open and the explosion happens and the valves close and the piston goes back down, like, there is such a fine amount of tolerance that you can have in that process because it's happening so quickly. Um, yeah, yeah, we look at the human cell and it's like to, to get going. Incredible. Yeah, it's like more complex. How, yeah. I, I think uh, John Ashton, he said, what is it, like 200,000 chemical processes happening in like an offset, a perfect offset fashion from one another within milliseconds. Like exactly. It's, 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 it's amazing. Mm. Okay, so when you when you put your motorbike back together and you start it and it uh-huh. runs and you get uh-huh. that big smile on your face, you stand back and you look <laughs> say, at it and say, say Tov. It's Tov. It's Tov. It yes. works. Yes. It works. And this is what God is doing here. And so when God steps back at creation, he looks at what he has created and he proclaims it is Tov. Mm-hmm. He is proclaiming, I have created a system. It works. Mm-hmm. That works. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of Tov, over and over again, all the way through Genesis chapter 1, you've got this idea that is being expressed by God that this did not come about by accident. Mm-hmm. Every day he says, he says, this did not happen by accident. I created a working system. system. Mm. Well, it's awesome. Like in verse 2, it says, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the waters of the deep. So it's like basically we see this empty Dark, watery rock that's just hanging out, suspended in space. And what follows that, as, as we said, it's tov, it works, is every single day God is doing this work of division that's taking place. He divides. Separation. Separation, yes. right? He's organizing. He says everything is just kind of in here, jumbled up, mumbled together. Um, and I guess if we, we look around the universe, we, we see a lot of that. You know, mm. we, we look at a planet like Mars and it's just a big rock. That, that big blank slate. Big blank rock. And you see, a, you see a lot of that separation actually occurring in biology as well. Mm-hmm. For example, a cell wall. Mm-hmm. The cell wall forms a boundary between the cell and the, the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And you need that boundary. You need that separation yeah. for, it, for it to work. Um, yeah. So, so you see, this God, God is is creating in a, in a very systematic, orderly way, mm-hmm. which is tough, is good, mm-hmm. it works. He divides, you know, uh, light from darkness, land from sea, you know, uh, 
uh, you've got like the sun, the moon and stars all divided up. Um, you've got the, you know, the animals within the sea, the animals on the land. Um, all of this division taking place, male and female is another division. And then within, uh, within humanity itself, also this division of, of, uh, well, you've got a division from humanity to the rest of the animal kingdom, that humanity is given the specific purpose of ruling over them. There's a division created. And then within um, humanity itself, there's a division between man and, and woman. So this, these different systems are being organized. It's, at first, it's just a, a blob, a ball, just chilling, just hanging out. And then God goes through and does this work of dividing everything up so that it can work systematically. It's such a contrast to the theory of evolution, which you know begins with nothing exploded and explosions are bad. And then somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, you've got the origin of life, mm-hmm. but that life is imperfect life, so it has to die and die and die and die and uh-huh. die and die and die and die and die billions of times over before it can move on to the next minute stage of advancement. So you have so much bad, 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 bad before you get anything good. And it's interesting that it comes from a big gloopy soup. And then that big gloopy soup by itself created o- its own division, even though it didn't have the capability to up until the point that it suddenly did. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And the most amazing discovery here in the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 as we are digging into it this morning. Before we get into it, we have the back into it, we have the 500-pointer. This is a big one, so let's see if you can figure this one out. All right, for 500 points. This is actually this is a tough question, guys. Uh, after Jacob came face-to-face with God and his life was preserved, he named the place, he named the place it happened. What was that name? Okay, if you know the answer, number to call is? 0491-064-669. And if you want to win the prize, the prize today is a book by a guy. His name is Harold Gizebrecht, I believe is how you would pronounce it. And his na- uh, his book is called God, Really? The Good News About the God I Don't Believe In. So I believe this book, it's, it's addressing, it's challenging questions that people have about the character of God. Very much what we're doing in our interview today, saying, oh, is God just a cosmic mm. child abuser? Like, what is is God really terrible and awful, or is he good, or... or what is he? This is all of, this book is all about that. So 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you want to win that book. But you have to answer the question correctly, which is, after Jacob came face to face with God and his life was preserved, he named the place it happened. What was that name? All right, so Freco has texted in to comment on the song, I Did It My Way, mm-hmm. um, and he says you only have to change a few words. You can never, to, to, to say you can never do it your own way. So our, um, I, I guess our call that we're putting out this morning is to all of our musos that <laughs> listen to the show and that support the show, and we support you guys. So come on, Carly Fletcher, Candice Bergen. Um, Leighton Heiss. Leighton Heiss, yeah. Dude, here's a solution. Just, we're, just, we're just calling out to all you guys. We want you to take this song. This is your challenge. We want you to take this song, I Did It My Way. Mm-hmm. And we want you to change it so it's, I didn't do it my way. I did it God's way. I did it Jesus' way. I refuse to do it my way. <laughs> make it the exact opposite if you possibly can. See what you can do with this song. And let's make a funeral song that can actually be sung at a funeral and convey a message that is the opposite of the completely, totally narcissistic message that you get from I did it my way. What about I, something like I Surrender All or The Old Rugged Cross? Yeah, yeah. I've got, an, I've got a solution. How about you just throw that song in the bin because it's old and overplayed and every time I hear it, I cringe. Like that's No, that, I disagree. That, I think it will have more power 
<laughs> when you actually reword it and people start to listen to the words of it and they go, oh, wait a minute. I've been listening to that funeral song all wrong for so long and I think it will actually have a huge impact on the minds of listeners when they know the words to it but they hear the exact opposite being sung. Salal has this strategy of stealing back from the devil what is good uh, or what is bad uh, and turning to something good. (laughs) Yes, sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Martin Luther was famous for it. Fantastic. Not Del Rugger. The... uh, what was the uh, um, famous Martin Luther song? Um, uh, uh, Mighty Fortress. Uh, Mighty Fortress. Fortress. Mighty yeah. Fortress. Yeah, yeah it's a, it was a, uh, a a pub drinking song. Also, like Jesus tune. I you know, say. the the cross itself was pretty evil and terrible and an instrument of torture, but now it represents Christianity. So, so there you go. But personally, yes. personally, yes. personally, I I a- did it my way as an overplayed song, and we should just stop listening to it because it's. No, I think we should reword it. Ah, I disagree. Ah, whatever. Come on, come on, songwriters. <laughs> whatever. Okay, let's we let's, let's do, do Bible study, Lyle. Genesis. Let's let's start with creation right okay. here. Let's create let's something. Let's go back new. to something's tov. Yeah, tov. <laughs> right. talk, something tov. Something, tov. something that works. Something that works. A system that works. Mm-hmm. Doing it my but way is, is a system that does not work. <laughs> but <laughs> is there more to tov than just working? Okay, so it means that he God stands back. He looks at it. It was good. In other it words, works. he has created a system that works, whereas uh-huh. evolution, evolution creates billions of systems that don't before apparently it's supposed to create something that does, not that we've ever but seen that happen. But then it's never happened. All right, so this, mm-hmm. is the, this is the complete opposite, and it's almost like guys are like, okay, I know what's going to happen in the future. 6,000 years after uh, this story takes place, people are going to bring up this theory that's the opposite of this. So let me just repeat myself here a few times. In fact, let me repeat myself seven times mm-hmm. to show that I create systems that work. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, okay, so we've got it works, it's beautiful, it's perfect, uh, there's no evil in it. Uh, the world was not yet like our world. It wasn't affected by sin and death uh, and so forth. Um, but it's also, I'd say tov also means aesthetic appreciation. Oh, okay. Okay, so it wasn't that it just worked. It looked cool. It looked yeah. good. It looked it was, beautiful. It was beautiful, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, take, for instance, um, th- your, your motorbike, which we used as an illustration before. Okay, yep. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. But are you going to have crowds of people turn up just to see a motorbike? I don't know. Whereas you get crowds of people that turn up at all kinds of famous landmarks around the world to see things that God has created because they are beautiful. I don't know. When they watch me ride it, then they're pretty impressed. <laughs> now, um, yeah, totally. As you said, you know, the, <laughs> a natural landmark is so much more attractive. Okay, and you look at the extravagance that you have in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, there is extravagant aesthetic beauty in nature that is not necessary to the process. It's completely unnecessary totally. to the process of evolution. Mm. I mean, you look at the colours that we have. You look at the proliferation of variety that we have. You don't need that. You know, we say, oh, you know, the flowers have all these different colours to attract bees. We'll just give them, give them uh, fluoro safety colours. Mm. Orange and... Orange, blaze orange and fluoro green, Mm -hmm. you know. The bees will be able to see that, I'm sure, because we use that in in workplaces so that we stay safe because you can see it. Mm -hmm. Why is there such extravagance and design and beauty in nature? I think that's the key question there is, like, why? 
Like, I, I have a friend. It's not uh, required by evolution. Yeah, totally. I have a friend who's a biologist. Uh, well, he's not a biologist. He's studying to be a biologist. He's at Newcastle Uni. He's studying. He he's recently become a Christian, and he he loves the Lord. Um, and he's kind of going through this process as well as of re- reconciling, you know, his previous ideas of what the world was like to to what you know he sees in the Bible. Um, and he's, he's very committed to to studying the Bible. And yeah, you know, he he talks about like with me things that really go over my head because he's talking about like like gravitation, like just gravity itself. Like, because, like, the answer of, like, oh, well, then, well, why is the, the universe as it is? It's like, oh, because of the existence of gravity holding everything together. And, and then the further question is, why? Why? Why is gravity there? Why is gravity there? Mm. Like, you can't just ascribe, um, like, the function of something, which is to hold the universe together as its total mm. purpose and reason to exist. Like, it has to come from somewhere. And this is, like... This is this is completely unanswered by any other reasoning or system other than uh, within a theological system, which we're saying is is God, is the God of the Bible who made it. Because like outside of that, you can only observe the function of say gravity, but there's no there's no like label on gravity saying oh I was put in I put myself in place like rea- uh, gravity isn't a physical agent it's not a person that you can talk to who does a job it's just a thing that exists and needs to come from somewhere and so like you know I'm I'm kind of stealing um the the gr- um, great and amazing thoughts of my friend Brandon but it's just like so true like and he's this is something that he's considering and, and thinking about a lot and I'm like yes that's amazing like what why? Like, why? And as you know, as we're applying it now to like bees and flowers and these systems that work, it's like, why do we have such extravagant beauty? <laughs> so evolutionists why? would say it gives them a survival advantage. So that that's that's the reasoning. Um, and and you could say, well, you know, because the the flowers are beautiful, it gives them a survival advantage because they're going to get pollinated by the mm-hmm. bees and all that kind of stuff. And um, but I guess my my response to that is that. That's such an easy answer, you know, and, and I know that evolutionists would say, well, you know, that God created everything um, is a sort of easy answer mm-hmm. for, for Christians. But the survival advantage answer for evolutionists, um, we don't actually know how and why it provides a survival advantage. Yeah, uh, exactly. To, uh, it's just especially a, over like millions and millions and millions and millions of years. Like we, exactly. we didn't observe that. Yeah. Plenty of, there's plenty of species out there that are not, extravagantly beautiful, and they survive just fine. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is The Breakfast Show, and we hope that you find rest as you listen to The Breakfast Show this morning. Lawson's got uh, some answers for our quiz questions, and then we have question of the day. Yes, sir. Okay, and answers to the quiz questions for 100 points. The answer was Samson. For 200 points, leprosy. 300 points, Nicodemus. 400 points. The answer was papyrus. And for 500 points, what was the what was the place called uh, where David faced God and lived? Um, it was Peniel. 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 So, um, good job if you answer those questions correctly. But right now, it is time for question of the day. All right, Lyle, our question of today, today, of the day today is, uh, this is from Karen, and she says, was Nahash's condition in 1 Samuel 11 and verse 2 that he put out all the right eyes of the man of Jabesh literal? If so, was it common? 
Okay, so um, the thing I love about Karen's questions is that we get to follow her as she reads the Bible from one end to the other, <laughs> and it's absolutely, absolutely amazing. I just want to encourage all of our listeners to read the Bible through. Uh, Karen's doing a great job here. And just uh, as you're reading the Bible through, send your questions through for question of the day. We'd love to answer them. So a little bit of background history here. You've got Nabash, uh, who is an Ammonite. Mm-hmm. He invades Israel. This was something that people would do from time to time, and he lays siege to the city of Jabesh-Gilead. Now, uh, Jabesh-Gilead, they recognize that they are not able to withstand the siege, and so their options now are to either be starved to death, slaughtered where they stand, or come to some kind of peace agreement. And so they go to Nahash and they say, okay, what kind of peace agreement can we come up with at this particular point? You know, uh, can we sell ourselves in, uh, to you as slaves? Can we buy you off? You know, what would it take to make you go away? And Ammonites like, oh, Nahash, the Ammonites like, I want to make a, an example of you guys. I want to, I want to show my dominance over Israel, I want to show that Israel is weak and worthless and can do nothing to defend themselves. And so, yeah, I'll make peace with you. I'll make peace with you on the condition that I get to take out everyone's right eye. Now, this was mm-hmm. um, not just a you know an atrocity, a war crime, so to speak. Uh, this was also a strategic consideration because if he takes out everybody's right eye, then that city is never going to be a threat to him again because it's going to severely impede that city's abilities to be able to further defend themselves anytime he wants to come back and take anything else. How do you fight when your whole army has only one eye? That is quite a problem. And so this is the this is the background of the story. And the Bible goes on, it says, The elders of Israel said to him, Give us seven days that we may send messengers unto all the coasts of Israel, and then if there is no one to save us, we will come out to you. Now, it's an interesting passage. I actually wonder what is going on here. Um, is this you know, a situation where the elders of Israel have got together and said, look, give us seven days to think about this and we'll see what we can come up with, while they snuck some messengers out through the siege? Or was uh, Nahash the Ammonite so bold and so confident of his power over the Israelites, he's like, "There's no one. No one in Israel is going to going to challenge me." You know, this is this is a, a nation of small uh, city states. You know, each city is its own kind of uh, entity. There's uh, there's no king here in this nation. Israel is nothing. Why would I worry? Who's who's going to come to to rescue the people of Jabesh Gilead? Mm. Which seems to be, and he's like, "Yeah, sure, go for it. Send your messengers out." It seems to be what the response is because no one's going to come and help you. And maybe this was you know, further psychological um, warfare that he was uh, bringing against the nation of Israel at this particular time just to show his absolute dominance and confidence in being able to withstand any attack that would come his way. Now, the background to this story is that just before this happened, you had Saul being anointed as king over Israel. So he gets anointed as king over Israel, but nothing happens. Mm. He goes back to his farm. He's not being king. Nobody's there to serve. And there's lots of, lots of Israelites who are like, we're not going to serve Saul. Why should we serve Saul? And so he goes back to his farm. And this is one time when Saul actually does wait on God. But this is Saul's opportunity to shine. Saul sees the problem, raises an army. 
He marches on Jabesh Gilead. He attacks the Ammonites. He raises the siege. He drives the Ammonites out. And this was his opportunity to become into to come into prominence in the nation of Israel and for them to accept him as their king. So that's the background of the story. Uh, was it common in those days? Yes, war, tro- war atrocities and crimes were the norm. And don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.